0: Intellectual stimulation by way of mobile devices. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Atomic Podcast, coming to you live from Twin Lakes, Wisconsin, where I blow up the news on a verbal scale. My guest today, she is the writer of Fear Forever, writer Fangoria and Thrillist. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back, Amy Simon. Amy, what's going on? Hello, everybody. Yeah. How are you doing, buddy? Yes, I'm I'm kinda glad you're back with me. This was pretty quick that you came on back on the show, and I'm honored that you're back with me on the show. Uh, well, I had such a good time the first time. I thought, hell, why not do it again? Yes, yes. And it's a little different today because we're not going to talk about Amy. But we could talk about you if you want. But we're definitely going to talk about since um the new Death Wish is coming out. I figure I want to do a review of the original classic with Charles Bronson from 1974. And who better to do it with than you? Well, it's funny because you would ask me
1: about it. And then I was thinking to myself have I seen this movie? I can't remember. So I had to look back and, you know, it's, it's before my time. Um, so I hadn't seen it um, and I watched it today and while I hadn't seen it, I did see a lot of familiar faces. Yeah. And that was kind of cool. One that I certainly wasn't expecting to see, which was Jeff Goldblum.
0: <laughs> yeah, he's... He looks bizarre. Yes, yes. It, it, he's the funniest looking dude because he,
1: he just keeps getting more attractive as he ages and he, that was like his weird awkward teenage phase like when he was in Death Wish. It's pretty
0: entertaining. Yeah with his curls. Um, yeah,
1: so because of you I watched this today and I it was interesting and then after I watched the trailer for this new one that's coming out um, which is an Eli Roth directed version so that's a completely different direction basically.
0: Yeah it's yeah if you've seen but before we get to the Bruce Willis one if you know we're, t- we're going to talk about the 74 first but um that movie I think it still holds up today and the violence the you know the the gore not, it's not even gore it's just the I don't know it's just the intensity of it you know the like the sodomy the rape and and you know it. it's well, just the absolute like just
1: thoughtless vigilante it's just like the thoughtless violence this guy just doesn't care and it just I found it kind of Sadly, apt that I watched this today with everything that's going on in
0: um in the states with this yeah. sort of white supremacist shit. But yeah, yeah. That's sorry true. for. The... No, no, you can curse. Can Call whatever you curse. want. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, I felt
1: yeah, it was kind of it kind of bumped me out how apt that was because right now I feel like we're in a, a, like a serious vigilante
0: state. Yeah. Um, but this was a different.
1: It still felt almost like a more innocent type of vigilanteism than, than what we have right now. I don't know if it's that Herbie Hancock score. I don't know what, what made it feel a little bit more um, innocent, I guess, is what it is. Um, but, yeah, it, it's still quite raw. It's still, I can see this, uh, I mean, I don't know how it was received when it came out, but I can see this be quite problematic because during that time, I know that um, much like right now, there was an escalation of, of,
0: Violence, like on the streets, right? Yeah, yeah, big time, yeah. You know, but you know, especially at the. How was it critically received at the time? Well, um, it, it was, you know, there it was like mixed reviews, but you know, at that time, I don't know if Charles Bronson was like winding down his career because he did a lot of sequels. I think it was five sequels of Death Wish, but you know, early on, you know, he oh, was, yeah. yeah, he was big, fame, you know, famous for a lot of cowboy movies and, and, you know, movies where, you know, the handsome leading man, the bulk guy, and Charles Bronson, at the, you know, at, in the 70s, he, no, it wasn't that he wasn't winding down, but I don't know. It was more of the movies that he was doing were is more about him as the character. Almost like, you know, when Sylvester Stallone had, um, when he was doing Cliffhanger and random movies like that, Did they, right. they just threw random movies at Charles Bronson. All right. Do assassination games. And he had his wife as, as the co-star right. and this, you know, and he had the sequels of Death Death Wish was pretty much his vehicle. And, um, I think you know Charles Bronson at that era I think he was very very underrated because you know he you know he had that almost like that Chuck Norris-esque, like lack of emotion almost I I, I you know I dare say but for sure you know like for sure. like um, he's got a bit of a sort of yes, thing yeah 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 like he didn't cry like you know Shit, if that happened to my family, I think, you know, I guess to anybody, I don't know, you know, everybody has different ways of dealing with their I... emotions, but he was just like, you know, regular, like his son in law was more distraught than he was, and that was his daughter, you know. That was Well, I found that very off putting, I gotta tell you. <laughs> I don't know if it was to try to show he's a man man you know but i found it incredibly off-putting that he was like that yeah is it I, you know i guess because it, it's you know it came out in 74 so you figured this movie was done what in 72 or something like that was it like you know i guess it was a different yeah. era back then too right it
1: was that's what i mean and again he's supposed to be a, a sort of a man's man like you know who doesn't show emotion but he's has ready to avenge his family kind of thing um uh, but I did find that off-putting, and I don't know if that's just because, again, I'm not super familiar with all of his films. I don't know if that's sort of his his thing, much like you know Chuck Norris that's sort of his thing or whatever. But yeah, um, I I did find that a bit off-putting, and it maybe actually kind of gave me a misdirection in the film, making me think that maybe
0: he had something to do with it. To be honest. Oh really? That's what you thought when you actually? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, just just because the yeah, the way, the way was he was acting. Kind of thinking, what,
1: He's at work the next day, <laughs> you know. And to me, that's yeah. a sign of someone who's a psychopath and who's cold and callous. That's yeah. not somebody who's really looking to avenge someone. That's not looking someone looking to, you know. Even when he was at the hospital, he's like, "I've been here for a bit." And they're like, "You've only been here five minutes." He
0: was like, "Oh, okay.
1: Hey, that guy's bleeding."
0: Yeah. It's like, what the hell is going on? I know. Um. Um. What was your? Yeah, he just he's like a very detached man. Yeah. Um. What was your first impression when you saw like? I guess, what is it, like five or, I don't know, a couple of minutes into the movie where the home invasion, like, what was your initial reaction watching that, you know, like, seeing that? Well, my first reaction is that house is dope. I love it. <laughs> that was cool. But then, uh, it kind of reminded me of, what was that, Straw Dogs? Yes, or yes. Straw Dogs? Yes. Which one, um, the original, right? With Dustin Hoffman, not the remake? Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, the original
1: and that, you know, it's the, the, a very similar story, except those cap- those people are held captive in the house, right? Yeah. Um, so there was this, and that, again, it brings out this very different thing about a 70s film, where uh, it has a, a grittier sort of, I don't know how to explain it, almost like less, not less thoughtful, uh, but less careful sort of way of, of, of showing violence. Um, in, in like sort of a in a familial sense or in a like rape and sort of sense yeah. like that or a home invasion sense. Yeah. I found I found that then it was much more um, aggressive and, and yes. like more no holds barred. This one is no, this guy spray painted at chick's ass. This is no holds barred. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, um this is really like they're just going to show you how little regard like these people are not human anymore.
0: Yeah. That's yeah. sort of the
1: impression that I was trying to get and so he doesn't have a problem killing these people because he doesn't see them as human anymore. They they lack all human characteristics, empathy, concern, you know, emotion. Yeah. Everybody in this film seems to lack the core human characteristics, which for one made it very hard for me to feel anything for the characters, but also made it me not feel anything for any
0: of them dying. Yeah, you know,
1: it's a very it was an interesting um, study in.
0: Emotion, I guess, and in humanity in a certain in a certain way. Yeah, you know, but what bugs me out through the whole movie is he never catches these guys. Like that's this pretty much yeah. makes him the vigilante that he is after the home invasion happens to him. So like, you know, these guys, even exactly. in even in sequels, like they they did their thing and got away with it. But that pretty much you know, trajectored his way into just becoming a vigilante and, you know, you know, he took justice into his own hands and, you know, he was still doing his architectural work, but then at night, you know, I guess the thrill of him shooting the gun and just going out there and just stopping muggers, you know. At that time, especially in New York City, because I was born in 76, so this movie came out in 74, and I've seen this later on in life. Um, I remember New York was kind of gritty like that. I remember the subways were full of graffiti, and um, it was kind of a different era back then. You know, it was very different, but, you know, it was very violent and very... You know, it was, it was, it was gross, you know, you know, certain parts of New York are still gross now, but, you know, it's, it was, it was, I don't know, it was, like, almost like a post-apocalyptic, if I could just compare it to anything like that. It was just very dry. Absolutely, that's totally how I felt, too. Yeah, like, like, right, the whole scenery and everything. Yeah, you know, and, um. I said, um, Jeff Goldblum had, like, that, um, (laughs) it's it's funny now watching it, but, you know, I hate rich cunts, you know, and he kept cutting, you know, he was cutting, like, (laughs) you know, but, like, it was, it's... It's like it's it's funny now. I'm saying the scene is not funny at all. But I'm mean, saying like watching it now in hindsight is just like oh my god! Like I can't believe they get away with this. Like All in the Family, Art, you know, Archie Bunker got you know, Carol O'Connor got away with a lot of stuff that you can't even do now on television. Oh, you yeah. can't you can't say the n-word on oh, on TV. Of, yeah. You can't do none of that. You know. So it was a different era. No. Completely different era. Completely
1: different era. Like of the world, economically, uh, politically. You know, everything and it, it filters into all these different sort of uh, attributes, different things that at the end of the day would create this sort of whole picture of what Death Wish 1974 is and how different I feel like it Death Wish 2017 would be.
0: Yeah, Because they're just two different things. It's almost like 1974 is a
1: complete period piece at this
0: point. Yeah, and you know, um, back then the budget for the original Death Wish was at $3 million and it totaled $22 million at the box office. Um, I don't know what that equates to now. My math is off. I don't know how much would that yeah. be now, but I guess at that time it was pretty good. You know, for I, I don't know what. I think I, that's quite high, is it not? Yeah, I, for that era, for the seventies, I I you know I believe so. You know, and you know Charles Bronson was still you know at at that time his his movies were very marketable. Like I even remember. Going to see, I think, uh, um, assassination games in the theater with Charles Bronson. It's just kind of funny how, um, actors and you know they transition. You know, you have a certain actor for a certain amount of decades, and then the next actor comes along. But I don't know. I, there was something about Charles Bronson that I liked. I don't know because he was just like the everyday looking guy at that time. At at you know at, at the time of his career, he was much older, but he didn't really had a broad body, and you know he was just you know he was just a a, a, like a regular guy you would see next to you in, in driving or something like that you know
1: right right I mean it's funny when
0: you were talking about um, Bronson before you called him like the handsome leading man yeah you didn't you, you, right? really? you, you didn't think he was or considered... no <laughs> oh my god for real I thought he was terrifying looking <laughs> I thought he looked he,
1: it looked like he just crawled out of an after hour <laughs>
0: <laughs> Have you seen the old like? If if you look at Charles Bronson, if you go to Google and look at like old pictures of Charles Bronson, he was like a leading man. And he was like a chiseled body and stuff. And you know, a lot of girls love that long mustache. I don't know. Was you you are not attracted to the long yeah, mustache? I, no, again, this is a
1: sign of the time. No girls like that now. I tell you that much. <laughs> <laughs> he, he looks really weathered in this movie. He looks weathered and like he'd been to the um.
0: Like, yeah, like, he came out of an after-hours. Yeah. Oh, my God, that's so funny. Um, uh, Were you familiar with most of the... <laughs> were you familiar with most of the actors in the movie, like Hope Lang and Vincent Gardenia or this is the first no, time you've seen them? No, this was
1: all an, an entirely new experience for me, which is kind of cool because... Uh, it kind of gave me an insight into something I'm not as familiar with. I mean, there's certain 1970s New York films that I always remember. Like, I love um, Looking for Mr. Goodbar is one of my favorites.
0: Oh, okay. And
1: that's, uh, that's, that's a great New York, gritty New York kind of film. Um, but I, I can't say this. As far as Charles Bronson, I'm more like I know him from Westerns, but I don't really know the rest of them aside from Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> so, um, and, and, of course, Herbie Hancock now. Who played the detective in this?
0: Because I recognize his face. Oh, yeah, it was uh, Vincent Gordinia. Oh. Yeah, now I know him. What do I know him from? Um, I, I think he's done, um, TV shows in the past. I'm not really sure because I think he's... Yeah Looks like a character actor yes exactly that's about to say yeah he is a character actor like you've probably seen him like i guess i don't know if you probably did an episode of like murder she wrote or something like that um he's been in a lot of other movies from like the early early 70s but i i know him more for death wish and i i believe
1: oh you know what
0: yeah little shop of horrors there he, we go he was in little shop of horrors he was Mr. Mushnick, <laughs> the shop owner. Oh my God! I told I, I I don't remember that. I just remember Rick Moranis. I'm trying to remember his face in it because I remember. Was Mr. Mushnick. Oh, because he he actually did the sequel with uh, Charles Bronson, and then you know he was like uh, you know he 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 came out in the sequel, but like the other sequels he didn't. But um, he's been in. The, oh, he's, oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah, he has an interesting resume. He's been in a lot of movies and shows, but um, I totally remember him more for uh, Death Wish.
1: Yeah. Well, now I'm curious to see how the other Death Wish stack up against this one. I mean, this one is cool. It's got that real, yeah, gritty New York, don't give a fuck vigilante sort of thing. I wasn't really sure with the ending. It's something, again, because I just saw it today. Like, I typically like to have a day or two in between to think about these things because it needs some time to sit with me, especially something like this that kind of... I wouldn't say that it, it didn't pay off, it wasn't that it wasn't a rewarding film, but there was a lot about it that I'm like, it's just not, um, it's not usual in this day and age in filmmaking. Okay. This thing of, you know, no emotion and just shooting at, I do know, it right, sounds weird to say, shooting at people mindlessly is, has, is not familiar today in film, but in this sort of respect, it, it, it felt a bit unfamiliar, like unfamiliar territory. And with that kooky ass score. I just don't know what's going on. uh, Yeah, I do really like it. I can definitely say I like the film, and it definitely has me wanting to see the sequels. When I watched the trailer for the new one, though, I thought, I don't know, when I hear Back in
0: Black in a trailer for a thing, I immediately get concerned. Yeah. Because it's already, you're acting hokey- you know. Yeah. And you know what it is? I'm 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 glad you saw the trailer and I'm glad um I believe you saw the movie first before you saw the trailer, correct? Yes, I did. I, I told you I would. Yeah. <laughs> and and after seeing the movie and seeing this trailer, don't you think it's like kind of like Hollywood bastardized with like this remake well, like that's what I think. Mean. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And it felt a little too. It's it felt a little like okay, cheap box office felt like we need a box office thing right now. Didn't feel very thoughtful in a sense, you know. Like let's just put in Bruce Willis. We'll plop him in here and do this and okay. And I didn't really feel that strong a connection to the first one. It didn't have the sort of same sentiment to it. This one felt yeah, very like cookie cutter, throw in the. You know, all that was
0: missing was sabotage by the Beastie Boys. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So, like, and
1: that's all you need. You need sabotage and you need Back in Black to have a film come out that just feels like, you know, paint-by-numbers box office hit. But yeah. it doesn't really have any soul. And that
0: is what concerns me. Yeah, you see, yeah, especially with, um, if you remember the last scene of the original Death Wish where... You know, I think, uh, Paul Kersey was in Chicago, and, he, and then he saw, you know, like, the hood kids, like, bothering somebody, and he pointed the gun at them. It's like, and then yeah. you know, like, you see, like, the wink when Bruce Willis did that same thing. I was like, oh, no, this shit is bullshit, you know? Like, come on, you know? like Yeah, it, it, but it's, in, again, it lacks the charm. Yeah. It, it lacks that
1: charm. It lacks that gritty and, like, kind of fuck you charm. Here's the thing. The first one, to me, it felt very punk rock.
0: Yeah. It's not super punk rock. The thing that I saw a trailer for didn't see punk rock at all. Yeah, yeah. He, and now, And the thing is, Bruce Willis, you know, like, I understand, like, Charles Bronson was a big star at that time, and having him in the movie was good, but... It's like, I don't know, I think there's a stigma with Bruce Willis where I think he will always bleed John McClane to me, and I don't know, like, his, you know, he 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 does different roles, I'm not saying he doesn't, a lot of his movies now are, like, direct-to-DVDs now, but I think it would have been cool to have a different person in that role, somebody, you know, Bruce Willis is old, but I mean, somebody who not looks frail, but somebody who just looks like a regular, everyday Joe, you know, like, he doesn't look oh, like an everyday passed. Um, I know you put me on the spot now. Um, ah, uh, <laughs> good one. Um, I don't know. Like I would, like I could, you know. Even though like he he has memorable roles, I could see an Al Pacino doing that. You know, I could see an Al Pacino. <gasps> being paul kersey as an architect i could see that you know because he's not he's not bulky he's like he's like your regular everyday man and he's a character actor i could see him playing a character as an architect that's a simple family man like bruce willis like he, he you know don't get me wrong he could pull it off but i don't know like i have to see him in the role to see if i could see him as paul kersey but i don't know i think al pacino would have done great as paul kersey Who I would have cast, but I can tell you I don't think it would have been Really? Oh, do you think Al Pacino? Do you see Al Pacino's poor Kirstie or no? I think he might be too old. Really? I don't, I don't, well. Yeah, I think so. Well, how old was Charles Bronson when he did, um, I'm trying to, I don't even know how old was he when he did that for. He was old, but he wasn't that well, old. but if i'm looking at the rest
1: of the cast of this i saw you know bruce willis's daughter in the film right and yeah. i'm thinking yeah even that's a bit of a stretch oh i know who i cast
0: who i know who i
1: cast 100 but this is
0: just me because i'm a face-off fiend so i would cast oh nicholas cage oh god <laughs> wait know what i could actually <laughs> okay. see it though i could actually see him as a Paul cursey you know i definitely could see that see you i could see that yeah i think he I think it, I don't know if it would have been a better film than or good for, like if better than Bruce Willis but I could see it in a sense. Yeah. It almost has a face-off, style kind of thing yeah. going for it. I know. I know you're a Castor Troy fanatic, but I'm a big Cameron Poe guy. Yeah. You know, I I always wanted a sequel <laughs> to see Cameron Poe in his daughter's wedding, as you know, you know, walking her down the aisle or something. You know, I I, w- I would love for him to to revisit that character again. I don't know. That's just me. <laughs> Well, I mean, my, my question is, is how, how is Eli Roth going to do this? Because I don't yeah. feel that this should... It doesn't feel like it should be an Eli Roth film. Yeah. Me. I know, and I don't know. You know, Eli Roth is one of those directors that's pretty much, like, hit or miss. Like, you know, I, I'm a fan of Eli Roth, and I love yeah. all his films, you know, but I don't know. I, I, I have to... Uh, before I even judge, I want to see the movie first before I even say anything. I'm just going by what I saw at the trailer, sure. and, the, and the trailer didn't really yeah. sold it, it didn't it, it, you know it, it didn't sold me I, I i wasn't really feeling it as they say i wasn't feeling it at all you know but i'm a big deal il- yeah you know yeah. the art of a good
1: trailer a trailer can make or break a break of film and the art of putting a good trailer together is is truly just that it is an art so I, I would like to go with you on that and say let's like not judge you know a book by its cover or a film by its trailer and, and see what it has
0: to offer because, but I have to say that right now I'm not going in with high hopes. Yeah, me neither. Me neither as well. Um, um going back to the 74 film, um, is there any takeaways from the film that you read, like, that resonated with you that you read, that you watched and you was like, oh my god, this is crazy? Or you just watched it and it was just like, okay, you know, I can, you know, this film was kind of dark and gloomy. And there's any takeaways from the film that um it was dark and it was gloomy it was a pretty <laughs> future life um, yeah but
1: um, i'm not sure i am not i might need some more time to digest it but the lack of uh emotion on anybody's
0: part in this film really was off putting <laughs> you're really stuck on the emotion part right yeah about about with charles bronson well, right yeah it's a very performance driven film right? yeah yeah but, The performances lack humanity, so, but they are, I am led to believe that these are humans. Yeah. I know, but, yeah. It's an odd sort of push and pull. Yeah. If you've seen a lot of Charles Bronson films, though, it's sort of that way with his, like, emotions. It's pretty much, what you see is what you get, pretty much the majority of his films, you know, especially when it goes on to, like, the later Death Wish, it's pretty much, you know, it's, it's... You know, the thing with Rocky, it sort of evolves, but with uh, Death Wish and the later sequels, it's sort of the same kind of premise, you know, so. Right. You know, I, you know, you I, know I, what I would do? What would you do? I think I would rewatch this before, I think I would rewatch this film in like a week or
1: so, just to see how I felt about it a second time, because I find, this time I was again just sort of taken aback by that. Yeah. And I might again. I might need some time to digest it, but uh, I'm gonna watch it again in a week. Right there, that's quite telling that I don't
0: think I think it's a
1: good film. Yeah. Sure, I just don't know what to make
0: of it. <laughs> <laughs> Did well? You said like you know it's dark and gloomy. Did it kind of disturb you or something? Like watching it in the beginning of the film, like you know the whole yeah. mugging incident. Okay, okay, yeah, because I know a lot of well, people no, I get just found the whole thing
1: disturbing. The whole film disturbing. This complete again. This lack of emotion. In humanity, but these aren't
0: like robots. Yeah.
1: But they they move around as such, you know. Yeah. And I found that a bit weird. But they all of their drives and all of their motivations are very human. His is to avenge his family. All these like you know thieves and, and like criminals running around, or it is to survive. And these are all very human instincts and human characteristics. Yet their responses aren't. Are, completely null and void of human instinct or human characteristics. So it's it's bizarre.
0: Yeah. You know yeah the yeah that's the that's the thing though. Like I think you know at that era have you seen like a lot of like Serpico and a lot of movies of that era, it sort of had that same kind of formula where it was just like a dark you know, even the scores are dark. It's not like, you know, you see a movie with the scores now. It's like, it's not like like Star Trek or anything like that. Or even when you see yeah. action, you see action movies, like the score is just everything. You know, without the score is like you have a silent film. So scores back then was really, really like mellow. And, you know, nobody says, oh, I want to buy the score for Death Wish, you know. But then there's all the scores out no. there. <laughs> I the score that's very wacky, actually. Yeah. <laughs> It was like a bad acid it trip or something. Meandering, like kind of like I don't know. It was very like melodic and sort of meandering at times. When I was like, you're running
1: down a hill away from someone that's shooting at you, and you would be like, i was like, what
0: is going on here, Holy got? It was very... It was interesting. Definitely interesting. And you know, um, Burt Lancaster, this is on IMDb, George C. Scott, Frank Sinatra were offered the role of Paul Kersey, but backed out. Really? Yeah. And then it's kind of funny, because if you remember um, Frank Sinatra, I don't know if he was a fan of Magnum P.I., he came out in an episode of Magnum P.I., because I believe somebody killed his granddaughter on the show, and Frank Sinatra could freaking act. I was like, whoa, I didn't think this guy could act, but he could act. If you see... Oh, well, I knew he was a good actor. That I knew about. But I didn't know he was on Magnum P.I. I do remember
1: Magnum P.I. I would never forget that mustache to save my goddamn life. <laughs> um, it was like... <laughs> I remember that show very well.
0: Burt yeah. Lancaster might have been a great choice. I love Burt Lancaster. Yeah. I don't know. How about George C. Scott? I don't know. I just can't picture him as a Paul Kersey. Remember he would. Oh, he, I can't picture him. Yeah, yeah. I don't think it would be. For, yeah, I can't picture him doing it. Yep. Yeah. And um. What t- I thinking of here,
1: I think Bert Lancaster. You know what? I think yeah, Bert Lancaster would have been great because he is in this film that I absolutely adore from '68 called The Swimmer.
0: Yeah. And oh. he, oh, he's, he would have been fantastic
1: in this role. But oh. like I'm saying, I, I don't think that Charles Bronson was bad in this role at, at all. It's just a. Uh, it's an odd role. it's an odd story, it takes place in a very different time, like I'm saying now, it feels almost like a period piece, and, um, but it's sadly, it's still pretty, uh, it stands up still, and it's still pretty um, in with the
0: sort of state of affairs as things go now, so, yeah. Yeah. Um, how I don't know what that says, I guess we haven't advanced much. <laughs> Yeah, um how how old is Bruce Willis now? Do you know how old is he? Like cuz you is were saying how old is he? I don't know. Because cause, Yeah, cuz yeah. right, right cuz right now reading really, Charles Bronson was 52 years of age when he appeared in in Death Wish. At 1974, he was 52 well, years old. Right now Bruce Willis is 62. 62. Oh, so he has a, he has a decade over Charles Bronson then. Okay. Yeah. Wow, that's interesting. Bad. Wow, okay, and, and to me, even Bruce Willis looks a little bit younger, well, I guess because everything with color and, and high def, you know, compared to back then, you know, so he, he looks a little bit younger than Charles Bronson, but Charles Bra- Bronson was actually younger when he filmed Death Wish. Yeah, I would say exactly the same thing, he does look a bit younger, but again, yeah, Charles Bronson,
1: they, it's it's a lot to do with... um. High depth and lighting and all that sort of good stuff that we have now that they didn't have then, which again might work against it because I think this sort of darker grittier uh, uh, tone of the film in '74 definitely adds to it, definitely gives it a little bit more um, mood. Yeah, I would say. Yeah. So this, you know, shiny polished
0: Hollywood look may not may not work to its favor. Yeah. Um, was 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 you pleased with the ending of Death Wish? Like, did you feel oh, it ended on? Was the ending kind of bothering to you, or was it fine? Or was you was you like with that's the, the ending? Weak and the finger guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it was cute, but <laughs> it didn't leave me feeling satiated. Oh, it didn't it didn't leave you wanting more. Like, I want to see more of this character and see where he goes. Oh, it left me wanting more. I didn't feel satisfied at all with the ending. So uh, I want more. Oh, okay, you want more of uh, poor Kersey. Oh, uh, well, there's yeah. Th- yeah, there's Death Wish 2, 3, 4, and 5. There's five oh, Death wow. Wishes out there, you know, so it's... Which it's, of all of them is your favorite? Um, but the first one is always going to hold a candle to me, and for the cheese factor, I think you have to watch this, um, Death Wish 3, The Crackdown, you know? where okay. You know, picture this. <laughs> Do have to have to understand 3? No, not really, not at all. You pretty much, like, if you see 1, you definitely can see 2 because it's sort of connected, but 3, 4, and 5 is not... Picture this, let me just picture this for you. Paul Kersey helps a friend with a whole bunch of drug dealer gangs in like the inner city. So it's like Paul Kersey against a whole squad of drug dealers by himself. So it's, wow. <laughs> it's 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 pretty awesome. It's pretty awesome though. Yeah, I know you got me sold there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm completely sold I love it I love it oh man um so on a on, I guess uh one to four stars what do you give the 1974 edition of Death
1: Wish on one to four
0: stars yep you do a four star review <laughs> well you can give it one star <laughs> you can give it one what star you give it do five something <laughs> out of five so oh you can do four yeah I would give it a three you would give it three? Wow, that's not that's not bad. That is not bad. That's no, not bad at all. I just I'm I'm still like I
1: want to say that I loved it, but I'm still not sure. I definitely really liked it, and I definitely want to see
0: more. Mm, okay, so that's the only reason why you didn't give it four? Because you um yeah yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I give it four stars for um scaring the shit out of me. Um, being scared of someone knocking on my door. And they're coming in and raping people and, and knocking me the hell out. Um and I don't know, Paul Kurt you know, um, Charles Bronson as Paul Kersey reminded me of an everyday guy who just was just fed up with the system and you know, not getting justice for his family and you know, it, it pretty much a story of a of Batman without the money, I guess, you know. I d I don't know how else yeah, to describe it. Actually, that's a very good point. You yeah. know, and like he never changed like once that happened to him like he just he still had his job and whatnot but he wasn't satisfied until he cleaned up the streets of hoodlum so he ended up you know vigilante is just another word for a killer so he ended up becoming a killer and just killing bad people you know and yeah and you know the the ahead. i'm sorry go ahead
1: no no i was just thinking the the sort of everyday nature of him i think is probably what is the most off-putting yeah. And the fact that he doesn't really change, he just becomes more hardened on the outside or on yeah. the inside, but there's no change to the outside. He doesn't sort of,
0: yeah, he doesn't change that way. Yeah, and, and you know, he's he's pretty much in the other sequels he's pretty much like the same character but i don't know i just think they went with it because i think that was his his pretty much his vehicle um death wish that i think i think that was his only like vehicle that he had sequels with with that character so you know hey milk you know milk the gravy train Sylvester so stallone does it with rocky and now in creed and i believe creed too so you know milk the gravy train yes yes I'm fine with it. And I'm I'm stoked to watch the rest of these now. Yes, yes. Oh I'm 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 I hope you will and I hope we could definitely <laughs> could talk about it. Even if we don't review about it, I definitely want to talk to you again about it. About the the sequel. Sure, I'm stoked now. I'm especially stoked for three. Yeah, see. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, thanks a lot, Amy. Amy, um p- thank you for doing the review with me. Um plug your social media, plug um everything you're involved with. Oh wow.
1: Okay, um, my, there's a web, my website, fearforever.com. You can find lots of reviews there. You can also find um, uh, video reviews on Fear Forever's uh, YouTube, which is Fear Forever YouTube. <laughs> uh, you can find us on Facebook, which is just Fear Forever. On Instagram, it's fear.forever.
0: And you can find me by just typing in my little old name, and you'll see this mug come right up. Yeah. And I'm glad I got the horror queen, Amy, feeling dark and gloomy after seeing Death Wish. That's ho- true horror right there. <laughs> Yeah, I'm giving you a virtual high five through the through the computer because you don't know you did a good job. That was a good job. I <laughs> It was weird, and I bummed up, So I go. Not a problem. <laughs> and hopefully, we'll do. Who knows? Probably, if you're feeling up to it, probably down the line we could review Death Wish three or Death Wish two and and see what you think about it. Man, or I'm totally up for it. I love doing your show. So anytime and i hope everybody matter of fact let's do the remake review if you watch it let's review bruce willis's remake and how it compares to this
1: you're on my friend you're on
0: and i hope everybody out there was intellectually stimulated by way of mobile devices have a good one folks